0: Please be seated. Praise be Jesus Christ. Praise the forever. Sada, Jesus Christ. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are getting closer and closer to the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're getting excited about that. Because there's much, much preparations to be made. Special foods, special prayers, special services. And if it's best your ability, you should try to attend, especially the services of Holy Week. So, Jesus asked the woman caught in adultery, He was writing on the ground. And I think he was reminding all those men around there, those self-righteous men, of their own sins, as he looked at one and another and he wrote it in the sand. Then I picture in my mind he just threw this the sand over them. And he walked away. And he looked at this poor woman. He said, has anyone condemned you? Because a person who committed adultery was worthy of death in the old law. And she said, no one condemned me. And he said, neither will I. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that's very evident in the Gospels is Jesus' love for sinners. And he has come to save the sinner. So uh, I think about that a lot. I consider myself a sinner. I hope that the Lord be kind to me, but I'm sort of glad he's interested in us. And uh, the particular sin in the Gospel today is a threat to the family. as we learn these days, as I talk to more and more people or people come to see us, one of the great problems is the ease with within our society that people can be divorced. Now, if there are children in that, situation it, it mars them terribly it's a very selfish thing for a man and woman to depart from their vows and get divorced and of course in the Catholic Church there is no divorce there's no we're in the Bible except in the Old Testament, and they mention once he put his wife away quietly. But it says he put his wife away quietly. We don't care if you're happy or not. I remember one of my confessors told me. He says to me, well, you know, the happy man is the man that makes up his mind to be happy. And yet we go on destroying generations of children, marring them by mother and father separated. No child likes that. It's a great sin against your children, your grandchildren, and your progeny. For many generations. I guess the gospel today thought of this is probably the worst sin they could uh, use to illustrate the teaching. It's a pretty capital sin. Now we all sin. So last week I talked to you about going to confession and trying to appreciate that sacrament. But if you repent, God loves you. The repentant sinner has a special place in the heavenly kingdom. Because in repentance, he undoes, not necessarily, but is sorrowful with what he's done. And God loves the repentant sinner. We talk about sin a little bit. It's not my favorite topic. You cannot sin inadvertently. You have a conscience, and usually it's pretty lively, and so you go about with elaborate self-defense. When you talk to God, then you go to confession. So people, that funny move me, about the Italians, I just love the Italians and their ways and their food. And Loretta goes to confession, and she's engaged to one brother, but she has an affair with another brother, but she doesn't want to really tell the priest. Her mother's in the church. (laughs) It's funny. She's saying a rosary or something. And she says, Loretto, what are you doing here? What have you done? Seems like mothers know. And she goes into confession and confesses her sins, which is public, because it's on a movie. And of course she was in love with this other man, the other brother and of course they had a one night stand. We don't do that. We wait so that we have a gift to bring to our bride on the wedding night. And we bring to our bride fidelity. Being unfaithful to your marriage vows is like being unfaithful to the teachings of Jesus Christ and His church. Jesus Christ knows we are sinners, but even in our sin, He expects fidelity, that we're true to Him and ask for forgiveness. When I was in the seminary, every morning, the spiritual father was sitting in the confessional. his place, somebody had to go to confession. And there was a great uh, emphasis on that. To live a pure life. And in the readings today, in Matins, it tells us purity belongs to the single, the engaged, the married, and even to those hopeful of loving God. Purity is the greatest virtue in the church. So, as you know, I spent a lot of time reading about the early church because that's when we were young and pure in the early church. Sometimes today in the church, 2,000 years later, we should just stay in church and, and make penance all day. And we hear scandal and we shouldn't listen to it. There's scandal. The free the, 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 which Pope it was, I think, he told us there'll always be scandal, but you're not supposed to pay attention to it. It's a sad thing. And why are we so attracted to hear about scandal? Because it's sinful. And somehow it makes us look better. That's not true. What makes us look better is we live a pure life. Now, pure life requires certain things. Especially our children. We have to protect our children so that they don't become influenced by naughty people. Secondly, we have to pray a lot and fast So for you can rest assured if somebody is eating all the time and not fasting, they have other problems with virtues in life, like purity. The greatest cure to temptations against purity is denying eating. So Paul tells us we betray God with our stomach. He knew, he is a tremendous psychologist, he knew that those who eat excessively and cater to themselves with all sorts of delights is prone to give in to other appetites which will destroy them. Destroy them. Penance is okay if you're a sinner, but virtue is better, and virtue is developed by prayer and fasting. So I always wondered about some of the advice we gave to our people. You know, say your morning offering, and say your after contrition. People, you go to bed and you got your prayers in for the day. I don't believe that. And I remember Bishop Kurt wrote in one of his newspaper articles, he put out the Lenten fast, which is minimal, in the bishop's eyes, I guess. And he said as a note at the bottom, I hope you're doing more than that. Now, Bishop Kurt was influenced by me, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, either way. He told that publicly. I didn't want him to say that publicly. I taught him how to be a real man, have control of oneself, and not take advantage of other people who do not have control. And when you're in time of temptation, get out of it! Get over it! So God loves the repentant sinner, he loved Mary Magdalene. She probably was a victim of her circumstances. During, after World War II, Pius XII was still Pope. He was a Pope that I always remembered because I can remember a little bit about World War II. I remember the Pope, and I was always uh, impressed by the papacy and the Pope, how he faced down the Germans who were going to kill him, they had a plot to kill him. And I was very impressed with him, how he led the people through almost two wars, and his asceticism, He had a very bad stomach. He could hardly eat anything. He was a slight man in build. He had a German nun that took care of him when he was nuncio in Germany. And uh, when he was elected pope, she left Germany and went to take care of him. And he said, I didn't ask you to come. She said, you didn't ask ask me to come. I know what mess you're in. So, I'm sure the Italians had plenty of food, but she stayed there and gave him food that would not make him sicker. She knew her duty. Pastor twelve. He'll be declared a great saint, if he isn't already. I don't keep up with those things. How can you become a great saint? Last time Bishop spoke to us, Kurt, we thought we were going to get instructions about things. He says to us, my instructions to you is to be a saint. You cannot be a great saint if you're always giving in to yourself. If you're not resisting temptation and you do not have a promising prayer life. You know how to do that because I've taught you now for a few years. The habit of prayer reading holy books, staying in harm's way, all these things help you grow in sanctity. What is sanctity? Sanctity is the development of the presence of God in your heart. Deep prayer is when you pay attention especially to that Divine grace that is in you. Who is the lover of mankind? Jesus Christ. Who died on the cross? Jesus Christ. Why did he die on the cross? As a gift to the Father for us. Now, Let's talk a little bit about pain. There's lots of pain in life. Uh, even the smallest child in the church, you know, little babies and things. When I was a pastor, I'd hear the babies crying, or children crying. The children are teacher saints, you know. And we do enjoy them and they're aggravating. And we have to learn how to deal with that with charity and love. I can never stand a parent that whacked their child. That's not good psychology nor spirituality. There's other ways you get them to behave. I remember when I was a good size. My father was a little short, but he was truly a saintly man. Every day he went to Holy Communion, but he was raised by Europeans, and they didn't have much patience with children, because they had to work for a living, and the children had to go in the fields and work too. Everybody had to work, not like prince and princesses like we're raised. They had to go out and work in the fields just so they could eat. I don't see any of you working in the fields. Maybe you a little garden or something. But uh, I didn't like it. I don't like it. And sometimes we have children there maybe have a problem or something. And so they're also a gift to us too. See what our medal is. Now, everything you do, every way you raise your child, you're teaching them how to raise their children. So I had a mother when I was in Spokane that came crying to the door. And here she had Her husband, they had three or four boys, and if they didn't do what he wanted, he would take out and box with them and beat them up. She said, what can I do? I said, I don't know what you can do. He's a brute. He's a brute. He's less than human. You don't do that with your children. I remember when the worst punishment I ever got, I got a couple of spankings. My mother would give me a spanking once in a while. She'd sit there for half an hour and give me a lecture. I'd say, Mom, hit me. Mom, just hit me. No, you've got to understand. Then my aunt, her sister, talked care of me a lot. And she made make me sit on a chair in the kitchen while she was making dinner. And I don't know why, I could not stand to sit on that chair. She says, well, you're going to sit there. But there was no beatings, there was no hitting, except my dad once in a while. He didn't have enough patience because he had a lot of pressure. So let your mother handle your father's patience. And you love him anyway. Dear children, your mother and father aren't going to last forever. More than likely, you will last longer than they and you will miss them terribly. And you'll remember what they taught you. Now we're going back to Pius twelve. Pius XII After World War II, there were women who were left without husbands and they sought to be ladies of the evening to get money. And they had sick parents at home that couldn't work. So they made money that way. That's not ideal. Pius XII did not condemn them. People did Spoke of them wrongly. What could they say to the priest if they get the confession? What was he going to say? The seminary, they told us this story. There was a uh, priest and a woman came to confession. And uh, She was uh, making her living in an immoral way. He didn't go into that. But she went. The guy took her to his apartment and he told her to get dressed a certain way. And she went to the bedroom and there was a bureau there and on it was a host. Like the Romans had. And she didn't know what he was going to do. She picked up the host and ate it and ran away from him. She went to confession, confessed that she had received the host without being in a state of grace. The priest said, I'm sure God loves you for what you did. You're in a state of grace. Life is our teacher. Making decisions out of love and obedience to God is our safety net. Having a good conscience is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Mary Magdalene, with all her problems, was such a woman. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.